And for me, I define our success by the level of joy that we all have. And so sometimes, you know, that means that we are going to do study the historical topic or do history for these two months and then we're not, <laughs> or that we're going to like go hard and, and really like play math games and do this math curriculum and have fun with math and be all about math. And then we're just, we need to take a break. Like, I don't think it has to be all or nothing. Welcome to the Homeschool Compass podcast. Today we're talking with Leslie Martino. Leslie is a homeschooling mom of four who shares biblical wisdom and practical strategies through her writing and her online coaching practice. Leslie is passionate about helping families to thrive with homeschooling, and a big part of that is establishing a good homeschool routine. So in this conversation, we're going to explore what it means to find your rhythm as a homeschool family. I know you'll be encouraged by what Leslie has to share today. So without further ado, here is my conversation with the lovely Leslie Martino. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. We just came back from a hike, so I'm feeling good. I love being outdoors. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Well, thank you so much for making the time to be with us today. I know a lot of people are familiar with you already, but would you just take a minute to introduce yourself and your family to us? Sure. Hi, everyone. My name is Leslie Martino. Um, we homeschool. I have a family of four. My oldest is soon to be 11, then an eight-year-old, and I have twin, six-year-old twins, and we live in Central Florida. Did you always know that you wanted to homeschool Leslie, or was that something that came up for you later? Well, <laughs> um, when I moved to Central Florida, I was, I'm originally from New York. Um, it was really different for me because I immediately thought about looking for a job in this, you know, school system down here. And I discovered that the system was so different from New York. And um, I actually got really excited. We didn't even have kids yet, but that's when I actually started getting excited about potentially homeschooling. <laughs> so it's something we were thinking about even from then. And we've added on reasons why we homeschool since then. But um, that was like a big one, just that I loved the school environment that I came from and I wanted to recreate that down here. And I wasn't really finding that. So I was like, we'll do it at home. What would you say as far as describing your homeschool style for people, what words do you relate to? Um, well, I think it's probably a mix of different things. I don't really love labels <laughs> um, because sometimes I think they can just really box you in. We sort of do what feels right for our family. But one label that I have accepted <laughs> is project-based homeschooling. Um, it's a style that just feels right. Um, it's like the kind of education that I did when I was in the classroom. And it's so natural for us. We do it at home, which is very much about going with our interests and what the kids are passionate about. And we have like a time in the day where we dedicate to project time, but we approach any time like that. Like everything becomes a project. Like, you know, we just recently finished um, reading aloud this book together, The Nerviest Girl in the World. And 
we decided to make a silent film. Like it just, you know, so everything becomes this project and it's like, well, you know, who's interested in what piece? Well, let's learn, let's learn more about this because we don't really know how to do this or um, so project-based homeschooling. It's actually Lori Pickert wrote a fabulous book called project-based homeschooling that if anyone, I talk a lot about it, but I always tell people, if you're interested in learning more about it, definitely read that book. Great suggestion. Awesome. So as people think about structuring their homeschool day, um, what language do you connect with around that? Do you think of it as a rhythm or a routine, a schedule? What do you think is most helpful in terms of? Yeah, I think those words are really important. Um, And I don't think in terms of a schedule, I'll definitely say that um, because a schedule for me um, means really definite start and end times, um, very uh, prescribed. um, And, and although other people might think of that word differently, I tend to think in terms of more rhythm and routine because our day kind of has this rhythm to it. And I like to pay attention to those things. Like sometimes if we're all a little bit too excited, like that rhythm has to come down and then we have to get quiet. And when it's too quiet, then we need a little bit of activity. And I always think of it like ebbs and flows. Mm -hmm. And so because I like to pay attention to those rhythms of how everybody is feeling, we tend to organize our day in like a routine where it's expected. Like we do this all the time. So everybody sort of knows what comes next, but routines you know, um, a routine over a schedule for me suggests that there's more flexibility. Like we also, you know, are really, we'll throw routine, you know, to the wind if we want to just go out and do something different or, you know, do something spontaneous or um, there's no guilt associated with me not getting to certain things, you know, on the schedule. Like for me, a schedule is like, ah. <laughs> um, it's just sort of like, you know, well, that just means that that was too much for that particular day. Like if I had a plan in mind of something to get to, you know, if it didn't fit, you know, it's like, okay, (laughs) well we have tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So I like, yeah, I definitely like to think more in terms of rhythm and routine. Yeah. I love that as well. It's nice to have a structure so that your children know what to expect and know what's coming, but also Mm -hmm. to have the freedom not to be a slave to the clock and feel like you're always running behind. That makes exactly. sense. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So why don't you give us kind of an overview of what your daily flow looks like? What okay. are the components? Sure. Okay. So everybody will wake up. Um, sometimes I wake the kids up and sometimes I don't. Um, that, that really just depends. Um, these past six months, um, when my work schedule changed, um, they uh, started to just really everything changed and they would go to bed a lot later. They wake up a lot later and I was fine with it because I didn't necessarily have anywhere to be out of the house. Um, so, you know, it's up, it's upward. It's not like one set thing, but they wake up and um, they come downstairs. We have breakfast and then we have like our morning time routine where basically we um, have our prayer and devotion times. We'll sit and we'll talk about scripture. Um, sometimes we're talking about, um, we used uh, a year of tales. It's this beautiful curriculum and they have this whole part of it that's about character study. And we actually um, would do that part of it during our morning time. We read the scripture and talk about like different character traits and 
you know, just what, what we thought of them, how we saw them in life, you know, things like that. Um, um, we do different things during that time. But then after that, we um, will usually spend our morning doing uh, project time, which is basically the kids pursuing their own interests. And um, when it's kind of open-ended and they're not really sure where they want to go, it's just about like materials. Um, and so like my little ones love to play in kinetic sand. Um, and so they'll do that. And then sometimes long-term projects develop out of using those materials, but sometimes they don't. And so it also changes with their the kids' ages. Um, like my daughter is doing something right now that she's probably been doing for the last year like when it's, when we, when we're done with devotion, she's like, she's off. Like, she's like, I got my work to do. I'm, you know, I don't, I don't need your help. We don't need to talk. I know what I'm doing, but my little ones, you know, sometimes we'll sit and we'll talk and they'll say, you know, I'm like, what do you want to do for project time? And we'll bounce ideas off, you know, it just depends on where they are in their project work. Um, and then we'll naturally come together and share some of that work. Sometimes we don't, but sometimes they like to like, come and share with their siblings who maybe weren't working near them, you know, what they did. And I love it that they'll ask each other questions like, oh, why did you do that? Or, you know, um, what do you plan to do next? Or, you know, just all these natural questions where they'll converse or um, even respectfully critique each other and point out things and that will help, you know, sort of drive their own work to become better. Like it's just, just natural conversation. That's kind of awesome. Sometimes they'll just um, record their work. So they record their process. I'm kind of big on that too. Like talking about, um, like thinking about your thinking and what you're learning about. So sometimes we do it verbally and sometimes they write it in a journal and sometimes they record it. We use an app called Seesaw app, but they do that in a lot. And then <laughs> after that, um, it kind of naturally blends into a, a read aloud time because if the kids are not done working, I can just start reading and they're listening in um, or, and then like naturally cleaning up and they all just sort of gravitate and we cuddle on the couch and, you know, sometimes they're doing other things, keeping their hands busy, but we, we'll read aloud together. And then it's kind of time to move. So we'll go outside, run around, um, sometimes go on a nature walk and then they're hungry. So we'll do that up until everybody wants to eat and we'll come back and have lunch and then after lunch, it's like a quiet time again, like in the sense that people are sitting down reading. It's not necessarily quiet. I mean, the twins, like they're six, like they read loud and they're, <laughs> they have like six books next to them. And, you know, but it's my time to connect one-on-one with each of them. I sort of just rotate. So while everyone's doing that, we'll rotate a correction time around literacy. So my daughter, she's older, you know, we'll be doing writing projects, talking about grammar, like discussing big ideas in literature, like stuff like that. And my ones who are learning to read will sit and like do some concentrated games and activities around that. Um, but it's my chance to connect with them one-on-one around that literacy time. And then we do the same thing around math um, after that. So while I'm doing that and rotating, the kids are um, doing playing math games with each other, sometimes practicing the piano, sometimes doing like language games that they have online. Um, and then I can take time one-on-one and we can connect over math, you know, some math games or um, whatever, you know, we we do have a math curriculum that we use. So we'll, we'll do that together. Um, and then the last part of the afternoon, it's typically based around our interests. Like it could be we're studying history, we're studying science, we're studying art, um, just like whatever it is that we're doing at the moment. It could, it could look really different. And then usually we're just done and time to wind down for something else, dinner, you know, mm-hmm. 
outside again, whatever. Yeah. Oh, that's so helpful, Leslie. Will you tell us a little bit more about the project time? I know you said your daughter kind of has her own things that she's focused on and she knows what to do. For the other mm-hmm. ones, are you providing a lot of materials? Are you collaborating with them on what kind of things they want to engage with? How does that how does that work? So it's a little bit of both. So I like to provide a lot of open-ended materials. So for us, that's things like we have a whole bin of like um, cardboard, uh, what's that called? Toilet paper rolls and toilet and, and paper towel rolls <laughs> when they're empty. I just keep throwing them in the bins. We've got that. And then there's like popsicle sticks. And um, I like to call, think of them as loose parts. So um, it could be anything that you could collect a lot of. We have a jar of corks. We have, um, we have a jar of acorns. Um, (laughs) And these might seem really silly, but kids can, can like, you just give them stuff like that and their imagination and where they go with it is kind of amazing. Like my youngest son, he's six. He was like, I think I want to play with kinetic sand for project time. Um, so that was cool. And what he ended up doing, you know, what walked over to him and I was like, Ooh, tell me about what you're doing in here. He had made the kinetic sand into a hill and then he put, he made another kinetic sand, another, he made a car out of kinetic sand and then he scratch. he used um, a pencil to scratch lanes into the kinetic sand. And he said that the cars were racing, but the coolest thing was that, you know, he also got toothpicks and attached these little pieces of paper to them with tape that were street signs that he wrote names of streets next to. So he's like incorporating literacy into all this. And then he was just completely in his own world, like in this made up street racing cars. And then his brother joined him like, and that was cool. And he actually continued doing that for three days. Um, Like I said, like the little ones, you know, you don't know sometimes if that project is going to be an interest that they have for just that day, or it could go on and extend for a few days. You know, you tend to see like the really long-term projects from old, you know, as they get older, but that's an example of what my little one was doing. (laughs) That's so awesome. And that they can stay with it if they want to for several days, or if it's Mm -hmm. just for that day, then that's fine, but they can kind of build more complex things as they get to engage with the materials. Mm-hmm. I love that yeah. so much. Yeah. Very cool. What kind of, what kind of things that usually happen in the sharing time? Is it mostly verbal or do the, is there a written component sometimes where they'll record? Um, I yes. just said there's an app that you use. Are there other mm-hmm. things that okay. fit into that? Yeah. So there's a little bit of both. So when the recording time, the sharing time, we do a lot of verbal sharing and usually we just sit in a circle and we'll take turns and one person will talk about their work. And I get to talk about my work too, because I often am doing something I'm interested in at project time. But a lot of times I tell them that my work is also like kind of connecting and observing them and supporting them. Um, But we will talk about that. And then, then after that one person shares them, everyone else has an opportunity to ask questions. Like that's one of my favorite parts. Mm-hmm. So that's a verbal, verbal component, but we don't do that every day. Some days the kids say, I really need to record um, some stuff. So they like to use the Seesaw app because they get to just record, especially the younger ones, they get to take pictures and they get to just record their voice. Um, it's not very right, like writing heavy, like they record their voice saying, um, you know, here in this picture, here's where I did this. I don't think it was so good. I might try to remake that tomorrow or something 
you know, about their work. My, um, I had this one son who was like um, doing these Beyblade battles one time for project time. And so he needed his journal to record the scoring. So he asked me for help for setting up a chart where he can record each Beyblade and like what times they were getting and the speed. And so I helped him to set that up. And then he used his journal to record, you know, what, uh, what it is that, that he did. And then, um, Sometimes my daughter and my middle son, actually, they also will write sometimes they have a project journal and they'll write or draw um, about what they did. And one of the things that we do um, is that we have we talk extensively about the kinds of things that people record um, because it, it's natural to do that. So we talk about like where in life people record their work, you know, so like, you know, an artist who keeps like journals of their work, you know, what kinds of things are they writing down? It's not just drawings or like a scientist or, you know, um, different things like that. And then we relate that to them and what kind of things do you want to keep track of? So then we can have a conversation about those things and we come up with this list of questions, like what they think is important to record. And so because we talk about it, they're not at a loss for words when we do start recording, Mm. you know? That must be so wonderful to have that record that you can look back on too. And especially if you're recording their sweet little voices, that sounds precious. I love it. And I actually love that um, this particular app, like they can, you know, log into it from a tablet or whatever, but I have it on my phone. Mm -hmm. So you can go into it and I can like heart and like their stuff. And I write back to them and I ask them questions like, what did you mean by that? Or tell me more about that. Or it's kind of like a dialogue too. So they really like that. Oh my goodness. That's awesome. I'll have to check that out. Mm-hmm. Cool. So then you do read aloud time. Is mm-hmm. there um, is there something you use to choose um, read aloud books? You've got quite a few different ages. Do you do some that are more geared toward the older and some towards the younger? Or how does that balance out? We typically always have some picture books. We have our chapter book that we're reading aloud. And then we'll have some nonfiction books. So picture books are just like ones that we love or somebody has pulled off the shelf that we want to read. Um, and sometimes they're related to other things that we're doing in the day. Um, uh, picture books and nonfiction books as well. Like the the nonfiction books tend to always be related to our nature study stuff. Like I said, like when the times that we've been using a year of tales, there's lots of picture books and nonfiction books associated with that. So we'll just pull them into our stack, our read aloud stack. Um, and then our chapter books are typically the ones that we use for Brave Writer. We use the Brave Writer curriculum and um, those uh, have a, a read aloud component to them. And so we read them aloud as a family. And then typically like those are the books that my daughter will be discussing like grammar around those things and literary ideas. Um, but uh, yeah, we sort of have a little <laughs> stack and sometimes we don't get through the whole stack, but, um, and, and sometimes we read for really long because, um, I like to find the audiobooks for the chapter books, especially if my voice gets tired a lot because we read a lot. And so like, especially after the picture books, after the nonfiction books, they'll be like, Oh, put on the read aloud, you know, I mean, put on the audiobook. Um, so we'll do that. And then my kids like to follow along in the book as the book is being read to them. So I can give them the, a copy that we have and I can go drink some tea or something. <laughs> yes. That makes yeah. sense. Oh, awesome. Okay. So you've got your kind of devotional time at the start and then project time, 
sharing mm-hmm. time, read aloud time, and then outside time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is there anything in particular that you guys do in that time or any resources you use to help with that? Um, when we're just playing outside, they're just running around doing whatever they want. But once a week, we go on a nature walk. Um, and I use exploring nature with children to kind of guide those those nature walks. It's a really cool resource that you know, you can use as much of it or as little as you want. Like it gives you a focus like, hey, today let's look for rocks or let's look for moss or let's look, go to the pond. Let's look for pond life or let's look for butterflies. Like it just gives you a focus. And because the nature guide will give you more information about those particular things, you know, you can dive as deep as you want. Like sometimes they want to learn more about that or sometimes they want a nature journal about it. Um, And what we typically would use exploring nature with children and then also, um, a year of tales has that nature component in it too. So sometimes we connect the two and we always typically that, that once a week when we go on a nature walk, we typically have a focus and something that we're looking for. And then we all like to nature journal. So we'll come back and sometimes do that while we're eating lunch. Um, they'll bring back treasures and we'll pick one thing we want to just journal about and, and draw in our nature journal. Um, they actually like to, I, I break out the watercolors cause it's something I love. So they're, they're right there with me and they want to try and, and do that in their journals too. So it's cool to look back at those journals too and see all the things that they've been learning and that they're excited about. Hmm. That's wonderful that you, you get to nature journal as well. And so you're modeling that makes them excited Mm -hmm. to do that. I love it. Okay. So that's just the morning. I feel like you have accomplished a lot. (laughs) And then after that, you have their individual times where you're kind of rotating through each child to like Mm -hmm. check in with them. Is that right? Yes. Mm -hmm. And we we do that around literacy and then we do that around math. Okay. And so do they kind of have uh, like some knowledge of what they're supposed to be working on each day? And so the other ones are working while you're with your individual one-on-one person? Yeah. So when we do our literacy, our, like when I'm connecting with them over literacy, it's just our quiet time. So everybody else just kind of naturally, they just go get books and start reading. And it's not quiet the whole time. Sometimes the twins read their three picture books and then they go up, they go play, you know, and that's, that's fine. Um, and, but, you know, I, I can just, when I'm finished with one child, I can just say, hey, you know, come over, let's, you know, let's work on this together. And they just, that's just what we do. So they're used to it. They come, they're willing. <laughs> um, and it's cool because we get to connect over in different ways, depending on their ages, you know, like with the little ones, sometimes our connection time, like we're, you know, chanting nursery rhymes and doing like finger plays, like, you know, puppet plays or acting stuff out or, you um, um, they're also, you know, learning to read now. So sometimes we are, um, you know, playing literacy games or they're reading to me or, you know, it just, you know, I sort of have a, in my mind, like a bunch of things that I know are important for literacy that I want to do with them throughout the week. So we just sort of do each time I connect with them, we do one of those things, you know, mm-hmm. um, and then my. My son, um, same idea. He, uh, well, actually, I probably should say, so that's the literacy time. The math time, um, when I'm doing that, they know because it's our routine, they'll, they sort of just go, I'm going to go practice the piano or somebody says, I'm going to, I'm going to do my 
my daughter, you know, Duolingo or whatever, you know, they, they have like language things that they do online. Um, and then sometimes it's a math game that they're playing. So, um, they sort of just call out what they're, what they're doing. And, but, you know, I do have to say though, that, that takes time to build, you know what I mean? Like, and I, and I know sometimes moms hear that and they're like, um, Oh, that just sounds so lovely. That doesn't just happen overnight. Like, um, it, it routines take time to build and and they change and you kind of see what works and you realize, you know, well, that doesn't really work well for my kids or, um, but when you find something that you're all enjoying and that works really well, I, I like to like bring it in and let's have a conversation about it. Like this is, um, why I like, we like to spend the afternoons this way or just pointing it out. Like, don't you think that that's a really good flow? Okay. So let, that'll be our thing. You know, like after we're done, you know, connecting over, you know, you know, books, um, let's do the same thing around math and that you, they, they know that, yeah, this is okay. I can be doing this or I can be doing this. It's a lot of conversation. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, you know, happen magically. So don't, don't be afraid of that. <laughs> yes. It takes time to get everyone, mm-hmm. everyone on the same page. And that mm-hmm. collaboration piece is so powerful when they feel a sense of ownership over how they get mm-hmm. to use their own time. Yeah, That's definitely. Great. So you include so many rich things in your homeschool day, Leslie. Is there a way that you decide these are the resources that deserve a place in our routine? Because I feel like in homeschooling right now, we are bombarded with so many things mm-hmm. that we can choose from. How do yeah. you focus in on what really is meaningful to your family? Yeah, and I'm really big about not doing too much. Um, it's very easy to become overwhelmed um, and being an educator and like loving books. Um, <laughs> I, it's something that I consciously really try to like, there'll always be books they'll, uh, like that'll be always be a love. But um, in terms of like, r- you know, resources and curriculum, like there's a place of overwhelm and I try really hard to have a distinction of where that line is so that none of us feel overwhelmed because Basically, I think about it like what's good for us in this season. And this season could be a week. It could be a month. It could be a few months. Like I am completely fine if um, like I know there are some people who feel like these things have to be on their schedule every single day or else they're not having a successful school day. And for me, I define our success by the level of joy that we all have. And so Sometimes, you know, that means that we are going to do study the historical topic or do history for these two months and then we're not (laughs) or that we're going to like go hard and and really like play math games and do this math curriculum and have fun with math and be all about math. And then we're just we need to take a break. Like, I don't think it has to be all or nothing at all. And I can, I can say that with definitiveness. Like I've been in the classroom. I've been, I've been at home with my kids. Like the kids are not suffering, um, going to suffer or there won't be any detriment or, you know, we, we just worry so much about those things, but I don't, um, that's not how I measure success. And I, and I, and I think that just being mindful of how much is too much, um, is, is, is important. Like we can have richness and we can do rich things, but that doesn't mean we have to do it all in a day or that, you know, that we can't decide what's good for this season and pick it up, you know, where, when we, when we're ready or when we need to. 
Mm, that's so good. Thank you for saying that. I know that's going to be very reassuring to a lot of people because the pressure that we yeah. feel sometimes can be really overwhelming. So thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Do you ever have a day, Leslie, where everything just goes completely wrong? What, what do you do with the routine in those days where it's just not working? <laughs> we throw it all out the window and go hiking. No. <laughs> um, that's usually my, seriously, that really is usually my, <laughs> let's go outside. Um, but we have definitely had days where, you know, it could be for different reasons. Some, you know, more than two people woke up on the wrong side of the bed. Um, somebody is just, you know, something is just not clicking where I'm really frustrated, didn't get enough sleep. Like, and my tendency is in those moments really like to just forget the routine and do something to kind of center us all, get us all back on the same page. Um, but we, there are also those seasons in life that are just hard. Like I always think about that when, it, when you know, this question, I think about it in terms of also har- homeschooling through hard times. And I'm talking about like those hard life things that come up, like, you know, when a loved one is sick, um, somebody loses a job, um, even just these last six months and how crazy they've been, you know, for people around the country, like um, just knowing that though that's part of life. And I don't think, you know, we need to like forge ahead and, 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 you know, do something in the name of doing it when we're having a hard time, unless that makes you feel good, unless that's something that actually helps you to continue and move on. But when the routine gets upset, like it's, it's that to me is part of the routine. Like it's, it's, it's that flexibility to know that it's life, you know, like the other day, my son, he just was not, I don't know. He just kept saying he was feeling tired. He was super, super cranky. And I was like, I just looked at him, you know, and my husband actually said to him, do you want to just go nap? And he said, yes, but I knew for him that meant he was just, he just went to his room late in the bed and he didn't actually sleep, but he missed whatever else we were doing, you know, the routine. And I didn't get hung up about the fact that, oh my gosh, he didn't do reading today or he didn't do math or he didn't, it was just like, I don't know. He just needed time and that's okay. You know, that's just part of, we're human beings. So that me, that's just those ups and downs are just part of life. I guess it's all about our attitude toward them that really Mm -hmm. count. Yes. That's really well said. How do you, how do you make space, Leslie, for your own, Um, your own emotional needs, your own spiritual needs, your own physical needs? How are you caring for yourself in the midst of the routine? Do you carve out separate time for that? Is it integrated into your, your family routine? How does that work? That's a great question. Um, So I would say for me, so many of the things that I do with the kids are things that I would be doing even without them. Mm -hmm. Um, And I say that to say that, you know, the life, your homeschool life doesn't exclude you as a parent. It includes you. And I think it's important to also do what you love. Like when I say, you know, we spend time based around our interests, like sometimes, you know, we'll adopt the interest of one person and whether that's the kids or whether that's me. Um, and so there are times when um, like there are, there are things that we do during the day that I just love doing. And I've made sure that those things are included, you know, like the times when we're nature journaling or the, I like art, art, it's very censoring um, for me, reading books, you know, like, um, um, but also uh, 
things like being outdoors. For me, um, a lot of times there's lots of reasons why I like to get outdoors, but my mental and emotional health is like <laughs> a big one when it comes to going outdoors. I I need it. And even if the kids didn't <laughs> like did not want to, I'd be going without them. Like that's just, you know, something. So I do a lot of things throughout our day that I actually love to do, but I tend to also, um, I like to wake up early before they do, because I know that it's my time to just be quiet, to drink tea or coffee and to just pray and to just have that. I'm kind of someone that, that needs that wake up time, you know, and, um, and I also tend to do a lot of work, uh, related things when they have gone to bed, because like, I, I bring a lot of writing, like I need quiet. <laughs> to have mental space, like to think. So um, I just make sure that I, I have those, those times, you know? So like I was getting really stressed, um, you know, over the last few months when like routines started to change and they started to go to bed really late. I was getting really stressed because like the nighttime was my time, you know? <laughs> and so now we've sort of like tried to reel it back in like, okay, you know, no more, we are like, we can save that for the weekends, but I don't think I can have you guys going to bed at like 11. I just, I can't, I just, I need, you know, so. Mm. It's a little <laughs> yes. And I think that's so important for people to recognize that your needs as a parent are valid as well. Like oftentimes mm -hmm. we spend so much energy trying to make sure our children's needs are all being met. But as a mother, you need to give yourself a seat at the table too and let your needs fit into the conversation. So exactly. I think that's a great, great way of putting it. Well, thank mm -hmm. you so much for sharing your time with us, Leslie. You have so much wisdom and I just really appreciate it. I know you have a lot of exciting things going on right now. Would you tell people where they can connect with you and some of the fun projects that you're up to right now? Yeah, sure. Um, so you can connect with me. Obviously, my I, I'm most active on Instagram. Uh, my handle, I'm looking at my own handle to tell you what it is, Leslie M. Martino. Um, I also, you can see there, if you go to the link in my bio, some of the things that I, um, I've been doing. I recently launched a coaching program, um, which is to help moms uh, develop, homeschool moms develop confidence in the area of homeschooling, grow their capabilities, um, and really, you know, build clarity, um, just all around those kinds of things. hope you enjoyed today's episode. For show notes, as well as links to the resources Leslie mentioned today, head to homeschoolcompass.com slash podcast. And if this podcast has been an encouragement to you, will you please leave us a review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts? It helps more people find these encouraging conversations. We hope this podcast helps you find confidence in community and help in the wisdom of those who've come before. Until next time, remember you are loved and you are not alone.